let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into the Word. So, Jesus, we, we love you, and we, we're thankful that, Lord, we, we can come before you, Lord, and we can, um, we can call you our dad, we can call you our God, and Lord, there are times when we speak to you, Lord, but then there are times when you speak to us, and your words have so much more weight than our words do, Lord, and so would you speak to us this morning, would you meet us, and Lord, would you even just uh, take a hold of our heart, Lord, and just draw it closer to you, whatever that looks like, Lord, it may be easy, it may be hard, um, it may be the thing we needed, or maybe we think, God, that's just too hard to draw it near to you. Um, but, Lord, when you draw near and when you move, Lord, it leads to life and it leads to you. And so, would you do that this morning? Would you speak um, just through your word as you always do? In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Colossians. If you need a Bible, we have a couple of Bible fairies walking around the room. If you do not own a Bible and you would like one, please ask one of us after service and we will get you a very nice Bible because the Word of God is one of the most vital things that you could have in your life. Um, we've been going, as you guys know, we've been going through this series um, about Jesus and all the different declarations of who He is. Who is Jesus? You know, because we know this Jesus who came down to earth and died for our sins, but Jesus wasn't created just then, and he didn't just end then, but rather he's the Son of God. And he has um, all kinds of power. He, he wears all kinds of different hats in our lives, and he provides for us in all these different ways that puts into context how he really is our Savior, but our Lord and our King. That God is our King, that Jesus is our King, means something so much greater than maybe we give it credit for. And so... We've been looking at um, all these different titles, which we'll read through in this letter written by um, a pastor named Paul to the church at Coloss. And if, you, if you're in Colossians, we're going to be in chapter 1. Um, go ahead and go to verse 15. We're going to reread um, some of the, the passages that we've been over the past couple weeks. And then after that, we'll continue on into the passage that we'll look at this week. So if you want to go to verse 15, um, this is what Paul is writing a pastor is writing to um, his, his sheep, his people that he's leading in the same way that I would write a letter to you guys, or Sam would write a letter, or Randy would write a letter to you guys teaching about Jesus. This is what he says. In speaking about Jesus, he says in verse 15, The Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And here's our new verse. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood, shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight um, without blemish and free from accusation. Can we all say amen? Out of all the declarations of Jesus and the ways that you would describe that he would provide for us, I think when you look at verse 19 on, it's probably one of the most misunderstood yet powerful, powerful things we could know and live by. Last week, we talked about the resurrection power of Jesus, that 
our entire faith is built on the fact that the resurrection happened and that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. And when that spirit lives within you, it provides a different life than you did without that spirit. You are not living a a revived life from this world, but you're living a resurrected life. And it looks very, very different from the way that you would live your life than you did before you knew Jesus. And there are many ways that it looks different, but one of the ways that it looks different comes with reconciliation. A big word this morning. Just say it to yourself. Reconciliation. When I, yeah, not bad, not bad. We'll work on it. You know, when I looked up this word and I was saying, okay, I want to I look up an easier word for junior hires to remember. There, there really wasn't many words that was able to fully describe what reconciliation is quite like reconciliation. Because there are words like compromise and fixing, but those words don't necessarily do it justice like it does in this passage because reconciliation is more than just compromising with people or just saying, all right, I'll meet you halfway. Recon- and it's not just fixing something that's broken, so it's just, it's kind of, it, you can see the scars and you can see where it was broken, but now it's, it's fixed. Reconciliation is a complete makeover of something that is broken. It is something that is two, something that was broken into and being made one again. And that's what reconciliation, the definition means. It means being made one with God. You are being made one with God in a certain way. And so when you reconcile things, you are taking things that were broken and you're making them one. You're healing them and they return to the fullness of what they were supposed to be. Jesus is reconciliation. He's the resurrection, but he's also reconciliation. And reconciliation itself is only done, it is only done by the blood of Christ. By the blood, the blood of Christ. Verse 20 says it uh, clearly. It says, he made peace. How did he make peace? Through his blood shed on the cross. And that's important to know because with God, He not only reveals himself, but he reveals the truths of this world. How many of you know truths about this world? Maybe you know certain things like, if I treat someone a certain way, they need to treat me back. There's this inner inner leading of our heart to understand certain things about this world that we don't need any explanation for. But one of those ways that God explains the world throughout, throughout the Bible, when the Bible teaches about blood, when it teaches about our sin, it teaches it like this. It says that whenever sin is committed, there is a penalty that's demanded for it. God is a just God, and whenever someone is wrong, whenever something is wrong, that there's this, there's this penalty that's attached to it. It's so much to the point that even after um, Noah's ark, after the flood, he's giving these commands to Noah in Genesis chapter 9, and he says, he says don't murder man. He says, for the blood, I will, I will demand an account from people. That there's this, I'm going to demand that everyone has to pay up for everything that they've done and every penalty that they've committed. It would even talk about this blood as um, the atonement. And if you've never heard of this word atonement, another big word this morning, you know what the word atonement means? Reconciliation. It means reconciliation. And so in Leviticus 17.11, this is what God says to the people. He says, The blood makes atonement for your sins. It's only the blood. There's a penalty, and that's the only thing that can pay for it. And in Hebrews 9.22, it says that without without blood, 
there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, without this payment, there is no such thing as forgiveness. And so we're in this place of wondering, well, how do you get forgiven? And what does that look like in our lives? An easy way to look at it would be this. I'm going to put your bank account on the screen right now, if that's okay. How did I get your bank account? Well, I hacked a couple systems, but you know. That's your current balance. How many of you guys have a bank account? Maybe your parents have a bank account. Some seventh graders are like, yeah, I got one. That would be unfortunate if that was your bank account right now in real life. And maybe for a lot of you college students, that's the case. That is your balance right there. That is negative $10 trillion that you're in. So, you know, I got 20. <laughs> Just, um, but when you look at that, that's an impayable balance to make impayable. And that, on a spiritual level, is where we're at without Christ. You are negative $10 trillion in debt without Christ. And you can do whatever you want. You can raise as much money as you want throughout your entire life, but you won't come even close to that. You can feel good about all the money you made. I'm a millionaire. Look at me. They're not millionaires. Look at how much money I have. But you fall way short of the standard of perfection that God wants for us and God has for us. So how do you pay off a debt like that? When Jesus went to the cross, he took perfect blood and he paid that perfect penalty for us. When Jesus went to the cross, that was him going to your bank account and going back to zero. You owe no debt. You owe no debt right now because of Jesus. That's a powerful and that's a thing to rejoice over. In fact, that cross that he died on, that was your cross. Did you know that that cross actually belonged to you? You know, Jesus may have been on that cross, and he may have carried that cross, but that was actually your cross. And when you, died, when you were born into sin, and when you fell under the curse of sin, it was as if this cross was made for you. And you were supposed to be on that cross. You were supposed to be crucified. You were supposed to pay the penalty. Your blood was supposed to be shed for your sins. And when you walk up to that cross to pay it, it's like, oh, someone's already up there. Who is that? That's Jesus. That's the Son of God. And he's paid it for you, so you're good. You can take that next step, and you can enter into perfect relationship. And where there was an imbalance, where there was a brokenness between you and God, it has been reconciled. It has been paid for, and it has been taken care of. Can we just clap for God? Can we just rejoice? You can be loud. It's something to rejoice over. That's something we all have. And that's something that's available for every person. You know, it can be easy to say, but God, what about this in my life? God, I know you forgive this part of my life, but God, what about this? But God, this. And we give but gods. We give God, but Lord, what about this? What about this? And guess what? You're no exception to God's grace. Everyone can have it, but not me. You're not different. You're not special from that. You're not set apart because we all fall short of sin. And don't alienate yourself because of that. Because God's, God's ability to pay back any debt covers you too, no matter how deep your sin is. And sometimes when we look at our own hearts and we go, man, people don't understand the depth of my sin. And it's like, yeah, but God does. And he understands the forgiveness that it takes to wash that away. I, uh, I met a guy on Thursday night. We did Night Strike. Um, as a team, I met a guy. He's, uh, he's in a halfway house, which means he's recovering.
from drugs and alcohol. Um, he's getting off the street. He just came to serve. He came to help out. Um, his name was Jason. Just a really, um, just excited for life, but just a good head on his shoulders. He loved the Lord. We were able to strike up a conversation just about what God has, has done in our lives, just chatting it up. And he, he began to share the story about how he's about 30 years old and how in his 20s he was, he was just addicted to alcohol and he would just do it over and over. He, would, he got caught a couple times driving, you know, and finally one night he, he got in the car and he, he actually killed someone while he was under the influence. And he just said that changed everything in his life because he had taken another human life because of his own sin. And that led him to a point of coming to God and asking for forgiveness. And here's a man that I was looking at who had committed, committed a sin like that, yet God had forgiven him. And he didn't live his life as if he owed a debt because God forgave him. Did it hurt? Was it hard? Of course. But God is bigger than that. And you know what? God wants to forgive you from that. God wants to forgive you like that in your lives. Because he pays the debt of your sin and he pays the debt of your shame too. You don't have to be ashamed that God paid back your bank account. You can put it on full display. Yeah, look at my red. Look at my negative $10 trillion. But God paid that back. God did that. You don't have to say, no, my bank account really wasn't that bad. Um, no, it's okay because of the grace of God. You know, I think there's such a, there's a difference between criticism and condemnation. You know, because there are times when we're going to mess up and there are going to be times when we're going to be living our lives out of line without even knowing it because we just come from different places. We come to know certain things, whether they're right or wrong. And in the body of Christ, this is a place that's free to be able to be honest with each other because of the grace of God. Condemnation is saying, you're gone. You're disqualified because of what you've done. And that's not God's heart. Because he's paid back the debt, he's, he's able to not only love us, but to be honest with us. Because without that paying back of the debt, he couldn't be. But because he has, he's reconciled us. You know, God doesn't just want to reconcile you, but he wants to reconcile all things. Everyone look in verse 20. It says, and through him to reconcile to himself <laughs> all things. All things. Can we say that together? All things. God wants to reconcile not just you and not just your relationship with him, but all things around you. He wants to reconcile not only this relationship, he wants to reconcile all the relationships and all the things that are in front of us. That he would, he, would, he would bring it and he would fix it before us. And let me, that, that atonement with each other that made one, he wants to make one with the world around us. When you look at the world around us and when you look at the people around you, he wants to make it at one. So let me ask you a question this morning. And I want you to think about this question. I want you to think about this question very often. If God can forgive you fully, why can't you forgive others fully? If God can forgive you out of his great love, why can't you do the same for others? If he can forgive you fully and he can pay back a $10 trillion debt, why can't you do the same for those around you? Give me a reason. And the truth is that there is no reason. Because of what God has done for us has enabled us to go do the same for others. 
In Matthew 18, there's a story I want to read to you guys. Jesus is talking about forgiveness to one of his disciples. Peter comes and he says, Lord, if my brother sins against me seven times in a day, how many times should I forgive him? And Jesus shows a little sarcasm, actually. It was pretty impressive. And he says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And he says, therefore, in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's the 10 trillion, guys. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees um, before him and begged, Be patient with me and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him and he said, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had the same mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to jailers um, to be enslaved until he could pay back all that was owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus tells this parable that speaks so much of the forgiveness that he not only has for us, but what is enabled to have for others. And I think it's, it's really ironic and interesting because it said that when he couldn't forgive a couple silver coins, which represents probably a hundred bucks, let's say in comparison to that trillion dollars. Then it says that the servants that saw this all happening, they saw the forgiveness he got, but the unforgiveness he was showing, it said that they were distraught. That's what that word means. It says they were distraught at the love and the things that were being shown to them because there was a lack of it. And so... You, sorry, I lost my spot. When you look at this man in the parable, I think it's, it's important to know that we, we take this position and we get to show the same grace to the people around us. You know, in the same way that we don't get to say, but God, I'm not forgiven of this. But God, but Lord, about this. In the same way, we don't get to turn to people and say, but God, they did this to me. But God, they did this to me. But God... You're no exception to the rule either on that side of it. God forgives all, and we can forgive all. This man in the parable, you see the mercy he was shown, but where he ultimately ended up, he was back and imprisoned in the way that he was intended to before he had mercy. And why was that? It's because when we don't show forgiveness to other people, we enslave ourselves. You enslave yourselves when you try to hold people to a $100 debt because you can't even hold yourself to a $100 debt. And you live in this place of pain in your life because you're constantly mad at people around you, but at the same time, you feel anxiety because you feel like God doesn't love you either. You feel like God doesn't love you the same way either. And some, for some of us in this room right now, we think God's love isn't $10 trillion. We think God's love is 100 bucks. 
And the smaller that you make God's love, the minute someone owes you more than a hundred bucks, you are gonna you're gonna go crazy on them. You're gonna hate them. You're gonna grow embittered at them. You're not gonna forgive them. You're gonna refuse. You're gonna put them in prison until they can pay back every penny. You don't just choose to forgive, but you live in forgiveness. Forgiveness is a thing, this is a tough topic for me to talk about. This is a tough topic for anyone really to talk about because when we think about what it means to follow God, we love talking about the love of the Lord, we love worshiping the Lord, we love teaching others. But forgiveness is, it's one of those things that's just very difficult. It's very difficult because we know what it's like to be hurt by people and we know what it's like to hurt other people. And you know, God does exactly the same. And he wants us to live and he wants us to learn how to walk in that. You don't just choose to forgive, but you live in forgiveness. And there, there are two kinds of forgiveness I want to talk about with you guys this morning. Um, there's forgiveness in your heart and then there's actual forgiveness with one another. Can you guys nod your heads? There? <laughs> two kinds of forgiveness here that we're talking about this morning. And you know, when I talk about forgiveness in your heart, I'm talking about when, when somebody does something wrong, how do you handle it? How do you handle it first? I'm talking about that's what I mean by forgiveness of the heart. And when I talk about with one another, I'm talking about actually reconciling a relationship with someone because there are different acts that happen when it comes to forgiveness of people. And the first one always happens. It's always in your court. But the one sometimes re- reconciling relationships, most of the time you can do it and you should do it. But oftentimes, there aren't opportunities to be able to do that. So let's talk about them both. Let's learn about this, because this is, this is powerful stuff that God wants to talk about. Forgiveness of the heart is the first one. And just to make it very clear, you're called to forgive in your heart always. You're always called to forgive people in your heart. You're always called to forgive the people in your heart. Whether somebody has wronged you, or whether you find someone at school is annoying because of sin that they're doing in their lives. You're always called to forgive. There is no excuse for unforgiveness when it comes to our own hearts. There is no excuse for unforgiveness when it comes to us and it comes to dealing with our own hearts. And I want to be clear about that because I'm not saying that you can't be hurt. It is okay to be hurt by people. It is not okay to be offended. Because to be hurt by someone is to feel and it's to be real. God is real. This world is real. And it is real feelings that you're feeling when somebody hurts you, whether it's a parent, whether it's a friend whether it's someone around you. But what you choose to do with that hurt is up to you. And if you allow that to seep into offensiveness, I'm offended by what they did to me. Well, the minute that you allow your heart to be offended is the minute you think you can bypass God's commands and do whatever you want. doesn't matter what someone has done to you. You have no right to throw pity party or be selfish about it. Look what they did to me, God. Look at what they did, Lord. But God, but God. Because the minute that you allow that is the minute that you allow just this great pain to come into your heart. And you become enslaved to it. And I think the walking through it portion of it is so important because how many of you have ever forgiven someone and then a week later didn't? You know what I mean? Like where... You were, you were good with them, it was forgiven, and then a week later, you just find yourself so mad over the same thing, and you're like, wow, how did I get to this place? I feel like I walked backwards from where I was a week ago. And it's because 
We're called to walk in that forgiveness. And how do you forgive from the heart? How do you do that? This is what it starts with. It starts with making that declaration of no matter what happens, first and foremost, I forgive them. I forgive them because of what God has done for me. That's the declaration we make. No matter what someone does to us, whether they know it or not, you forgive. You're called to forgive because Christ forgives us in the same way for our intentional sins, but also our unintentional sins against him. Then from there, this is how you're able to walk out of it. Prayer. Prayer. Can everybody say that with me? Prayer. Prayer. Say it one more time. Prayer. Yeah. Prayer is your way out of it. Prayer for them, putting yourself in the shoes of the people that have offended you if you feel enslaved by it. And this is not what I mean by prayer for other people. Dear Jesus, I just pray that they would stop being so stupid. Jesus, I pray that you would just curse them, Lord, or just, Lord, that you would just give them what they deserve. Lord, would you just make it all right? Yeah. Yeah. Lord, would you prove me right in this? That is not prayer for the people around you. God is the only one that can call justice on a thing. But this is how you pray for someone. Dear Lord, I just want to put myself in their shoes. Jesus, I pray over them and whatever they're going on in their life that they would see you and that they would experience you. If you know a hardship that's in their life, you pray for them that God would bring them out of that hardship. You pray that they would grow closer to the Lord. You put yourself in their shoes and you contend for their relationship with God. That is prayer for other people. That is what prayer looks like. And when you do that and you do that consistently and you do that every day, you begin to grow stronger. How many of you guys have ever done physical therapy? A lot of you guys have done physical therapy. Um, If you don't know what that is, it's basically say you have an injury, say something happens to you, and you have to re-strengthen those muscles, um, a part of your body, because it's been broken. Literally, the muscles get smaller, and you have to rebuild them up again. I remember um, when I had my lung surgery two years ago, um, I had to relearn how to walk. I had to relearn how to walk. I had to re. I had lost a lot of fat. I lost a lot of muscle. And even standing up was a difficult thing to do. And that's a hard thing for someone who's been athletic his whole life to be able to come to that realization. And so they put me on this physical therapy where, all right, we're going we're gonna to teach you. We're going to get you strong again. We're going to get you back to the way that you once were. But you're not going to get there overnight. You need to take it slow. You need to take it step by step, so your body's able to handle it. And so I can remember times when I would just, you know, walk to one end of the room. I would hold my, you know, little wheelie thing with all the tubes and the IVs. I would just walk it back and forth. I'd sit on my bed, and I was like, yeah, I'm the man. You know, like, Olympics, here we come. Then it began to turn into, I would walk, I'd just make a, just a circle around the hall. It would be about the size of this room. I'd just make that. That'd be my daily workout. And then I can remember, actually, the first time I got to walk upstairs. hey oh, you know, like, blessed, you know. And I remember them saying, all right, just take it slow, man. Like, you haven't walked upstairs. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, bro, I've been walking around this hospital level all week. I'm ready for this. I remember just taking one step and going, into the wall right next to me because I just went way too fast. And he was like, see, sucker, you know? (laughs) And then eventually I reached a place where I was able to walk upstairs. And then I was able to go home and then I just began walking outside. I remember I was able to get on a treadmill. And after a couple weeks of that, 
I was able to run for the first time. And that lasted all 10 seconds, you know. And then I began to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And each day, I began to rebuild the strength that I lost. You know, something like that is really humbling as well because here's a person who knows how fast he could run. Here's a person who knows the strength that he had in his legs, and it was gone. And now I had to take it day by day just to get back to that spot. That's what forgiveness is like because maybe you were in a good place with a person and all of a sudden it just blew up. You have to come to the realization that it's not there and there's this, there's this prayer, there's this trust, there's these things that have to get built up, but that's okay because God's grace makes it possible to do that. And when you pray for those around you, you pray for those who are hurting you and you live in it, you begin to get strengthened in a whole new way and you begin to rise above it and then you begin to see them like Jesus does. That is the only way you could live with someone who has hurt you is by seeing them as Jesus is and by living in it. Can you all say amen to that? Now, maybe there's someone in your life, there are always people in your lives that hurt us and there are people that enslave us. I can see it on you guys walking in. We can always see it in you guys, especially when you go to school. You come in and there's this weight that you're just carrying because just the weight of people and how they treat you and it's, it weighs and it starts with forgiveness. It starts with that declaration of forgiveness in your heart and then a call to pray for them. And this morning, there are people in this room who are hurt and they need to start praying. Because God wants to bring a freedom. He wants to bring a strength. You need to begin your physical therapy this morning. We all need to begin our physical therapy. We all need to go and reach out and go to the place and begin to work. We need to go and walk. We need to build up our muscles and give it to him. You know, um, to forgive in your heart means to pray for those who are forgiven. You know, I think that's a valuable thing because... You don't dwell on people's sin or their shortcomings when you pray or when you think about them. Because God doesn't dwell on our sin and our shortcomings when he, when he looks at us. There's a story, it's, it's in um, Luke chapter 6, and it talks about the Pharisees, who they weren't sure how Jesus believed about a certain aspect of the law. So they sat, and it says they were waiting so that they could accuse him. They were looking for him to do something wrong. And when you sit in opposition of someone, and you're just looking for something, you're looking for them to do something wrong, that's an unhealthy place for your heart to be. We're not looking for accusation. We're looking for spotlessness. We're looking to build each other up. And when you begin to look at that, and you begin to look at the best in people in the same way that Jesus does, it becomes that much easier to reconcile in your heart. So that's what reconciliation of the heart looks like, because that's in your court. Now I want to talk about just the other part of it, the second part, which talks about forgiveness with other people. Because as as people of God, we are mistakably human. How many of you are human in this room? (laughs) I'm a dog. Just You know, what it means to be human is this. You are going to hurt people. You are going to live your life in a way that hurts people because we all don't think exactly the same. We don't all agree on the same things when it comes to our values and our characteristics and things like that, which means we're naturally going to hurt each other. We're going to just kind of bump into each other as we're going through life. And you know, just because we bump into each other, just because we have disagreements, just because people hurt one another doesn't make us less than the body or any less of friends or family. 
It's addressing it that determines whether you get closer or farther away from a person. You know, when there's, when there's an issue, you know, you should resolve it immediately. In Matthew 5.23, it talks about, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, it says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come offer your gift. If you're moving forward in worship, and there is something wrong between you and another person, the word says you shouldn't even go to worship. You should go fix it with them right then and there, immediately, before you enter into worship. There's nothing more beautiful than when we, we see worship in here, and then we look back and there are people talking in that hall back there. Or there are people talking in the back because God puts it on their heart to fix something. There's nothing more beautiful and Christ-like than to see that happening. You see, we're called to resolve things immediately. We're called to resolve things when they're here with people, not when they grow to here. Because friendships and our relationships with one another don't crumble because we hurt each other. It's because they go unaddressed. Maybe we don't address it in our hearts. Maybe we don't address it and we just let it sit. Or we don't forgive people of little things and then they become big things. And then we hurt each other even worse. That's how sin works. Sin likes to multiply. It doesn't just add. I think it's ironic that in the scripture it says, if you've wronged someone, if you know you've hurt someone, whether or not they show it to you that they've been hurt, you should still go and you should still apologize. Let's leave no room for error. Let's, uh, let's be okay with forgiveness. You know, oftentimes when it comes to someone who's wronged you, um, I would just say, we need to go to God first with it. If somebody wrongs you, or some, you think someone wrongs you, you need to go to the Lord first. You need to go to God first with it. And I think that there's a humble approach that we get to have before God, because if somebody does something wrong, you should never assume you know what happened. You should always say, God, what happened here? Is it me? Or is it them? And if you're not sure, you can always ask your leaders. You can ask people that you respect in the church. You can ask your pastors and see what the wisdom that they have for you. And let's say let's, some things are blatantly obvious, like, you know, somebody steals your wallet. You know, is that wrong? Like, yes, it is wrong. But this is how you need to handle it. You need to pray over that meeting that God would lead you in that correction and reconciliation, and then you need to have it. You need to have it, and you don't need to waste any time for it. And you know, we are and we aren't always around certain people in our lives, and so there are some times where some things we can't reconcile to people's faces, but we can always reconcile in our heart. And what I would just say is if there's reconciliation that needs to happen between you and another student, whether they're here or whether they're gone, maybe it's between you and a family member, you need to take care of that immediately, and God is calling you to that. And so, um, Olivia, if you can come up and play keys, we're just going to close in prayer. You know, so who is it? Can I ask you guys that? Who is it? Who's this person that you're not forgiving? Who's the person that you're, you haven't allowed, forgiven in your heart? Or maybe it's someone that you haven't forgiven face to face. Go ahead and bow your heads. We're going to just close and... God has called us to reconcile and to be people of reconciliation, which means taking broken things and making them one. And, you know, maybe you feel like the love that God has for you is only $100, which is making it hard to forgive other people because you don't think you're forgiven. What I would just say to that is that's not true. And 
God has way more love for you than that. Way more love for you than that. Maybe you just need to let that soak over you today. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'm sorry for thinking that your love was so little. Lord, it's great. You know, maybe this morning there are people in your life, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's someone around you, friend that you just haven't forgiven. Or they're just, you feel hurt and you're just ready to be offended. Or maybe you're well down the road and you're way past offended. And you just see this ugliness coming out of your heart. And now you got to ask for forgiveness. You know, I want to pray with you. Maybe you need to just begin that work in your heart. Maybe think about that person right now. Think about that person and start praying for them. Just right now as we're closing in prayer, just all eyes closed. Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for their relationship with Jesus. You know who they are. Pray for their family. Maybe even begin to pray that your guys' relationship would begin to fix. Maybe it's someone at school. Maybe it's someone that just hurts. Maybe they're, they're living in sin because they don't know Jesus, and that's why they're hurting you. It's so important to watch over Christ and to reach out to him. And two, we would pray over two as well. Maybe you're someone in this room who has a broken relationship, and you know that person, and you can fix it. Just like the word says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and then, and then that comes to mind, that you should go and fix it. You should waste no time that we would be people of reconciliation. If you need to go forgive that person, Lord, would you guide them in that? Maybe that's you and you just know that in your heart. And I just, we want to pray over you and we just want to say you're doing the right thing and that God's going to honor that and God's going to fix that. So Lord, we give this all before you. Lord, we can forgive others fully with unconditional love because you've done the same for us and you do the same for us. God, thank you for letting us live in forgiveness and reconciliation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.